From 26, this is Rachel and Katie. ladies and gents, to episode two of 26. Last episode, we hopscotched through 4,000 years of epilepsy history from the first written text describing epilepsy as a curse to the peonies of the Renaissance. But now we ask, who has epilepsy today? I'm sure there are a plethora of celebrities out there who battle epileptic seizures. However, there are many people who don't come out about it. In our research, we found that many famous people with epilepsy are transparent about their condition only late in their careers. Today, we're focusing on the following celebrities. We have Prince, Lil Wayne, Neil Young, Hugo Weaving, Chief Justice John Roberts, and Margot Hemingway. Prince Rogers Nelson, better known as Prince, is a multi-talented musician, singer, dancer, actor, director, you name it, Prince did it. (laughs) He was born in 1958 and he had unprovoked epileptic seizures as a kid, much to the worry of his parents. He told his mom one day that he was visited by an angel And that angel told him he wouldn't be sick anymore. This could have been a hallucination of a simple partial seizure. However, I think that's a really cool story. From that point on, he built his career. His epilepsy, which he kept to himself, is suggested to contribute to his imagination and aptitude in the creative arts. Similarly, mood disorders like bipolar disorder, cause impulsive electrical activity, can it evoke a range of emotions to fuel and shape creativity. You think of like a manic episode, it could be similar with epileptic seizures, the excitatory brain activity, causing emotions, postictally, preictally. So he was bullied in school. This is perhaps in part due to his epilepsy, which shaped his preference towards going for flashy things, making a lot of noise, and make noise he did. Mm -hmm. The weird fact I found out, and this might be serendipity, but Prince was crowned the purple one because of his famed hit, Purple Rain. You know that song. Yeah, yeah, that I do. (laughs) That that one you remember. While purple also happens to be the color of epilepsy awareness. Yes. I want, yeah, this might be a little something to it, or we can just believe there's something to it. There was no indication that Prince controlled any of his seizures with medication. Again, there's not a lot of information publicized about the type of epilepsy he dealt with and the medication history. I understand that a lot of this might be personal uh, medical information that's not always publicized online, but when these celebrities do come out to the public that they suffer from this illness, it would be nice to hear a little bit more about the specifics of what they've struggled with because we know there's like 
40 types of epilepsy. Truly. On top of the 40 main types, there's probably a hundred combinations where a, a sufferer might have multiple types of seizures. There's a lot. There's a lot. A few years ago, back in 2019, Prince tragically died from flu complications, which I found out too that neurological disorders can, such as epilepsy, can exacerbate an illness like the flu. So there could have been some contribution to his ultimate death. And, you know, temperature inflammation I can I could see that there would be you know just being sick period dehydrated all of that stuff that can trigger seizures and what a tragedy on a bright note we have the five-time Grammy winner rapper Lil Wayne Wayne with mega hits like Lollipop and Amelie he a two-second dance off over there across the (laughs) right he got me going. He's also epileptic. And he also, for the fans out there, he also just released a new single a couple days ago. He is 38 years old, was christened Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. He's from New Orleans and began his career at the tender age of nine years old. Lil Wayne revealed in 2012 that he deals with recurrent seizures. He further shocked fans the next year when he had three epileptic seizures in a row on a private jet. He has hinted that headaches accompanied by sometimes a sick feeling may be part of his preictal warnings before his seizures, although this time the attack came on without warning. He notes that stress and lack of sleep after shooting an exhaustive music video were likely factors in the attack. But he had another incident in 2016. He had epileptic fits that led to a serious hospitalization. Sorry, that is my parrot in the background. Meet Daisy, everybody. That's real life Daisy. Child. She's worried about Little Wayne and the Las Vegas show. Very concerned. Is she asking for food? Uh, I fed her like twice today. She's just being, she wants attention like a baby. If she doesn't stop in two seconds, I'll go put like a broom on top of her cage. Okay, I'll be right back. And look, she just stopped. His adherence to syrup or promethazine may also be a contributing factor to his health and using different substances like that, that can mess with an epileptic patient's medication or if he doesn't take medication with provocation of the seizures. His doctor recommended that Lil Wayne prioritize sleep and eat right, the golden advice in most conditions, which he does his best to adhere to, although challenging in a life of stardom. There is a lack of information once again on his condition, though. So Lil Wayne, if you hear me, if you hear us, please give me the honor of interviewing you and I will show you my sick dance moves. Yes, I got two seconds for you, though. And you get to meet Daisy. I'll, I'll give you Daisy, actually, <laughs> if you want an umbrella cockatoo, 20 years old, beautiful white and yellow, but with vocal cords of a lioness, of a, <laughs> of a demon. <laughs> of a demon. <laughs> On a completely opposite side of the music industry, we have Canadian-American folk rock singer and songwriter, Neil Young. He's a mastermind of the songs 
Harvest Moon, one of my favorites, and Heart of Gold. He has been through the mill with health issues, though. So he suffered from epilepsy and polio, like our friend FDR, juvenile diabetes, and recently a brain aneurysm. He's now 75 years old, so that pays tribute to the ability for epileptics to live a very long, enriched life. I pulled my research from a 1975 Rolling Stone interview back when he was just 30 years old. This was a really interesting time period for Neil because this was after a period where he was quiet for a while. It was his first engagement with media after a long period of silence. A close friend's death from an overdose and a very sad breakup with his actress wife Peggy Band breakups and heavy drinking led Neil to be reclusive for a long period, perhaps even epilepsy in his condition. Fascinating, he recorded Harvest Moon in a brace after a severe back injury, which left him bedridden for two years. It's so crazy. So he was really riddled with many health conditions. But epilepsy probably being one of the most significant and impactful health conditions in his life because it really shaped who he is as a person and the music that he created in his creative senses. He describes psychedelic-like seizures in which his mind goes somewhere else while his body is convulsing. An experience that I would think would be stressful, confusing or weird me out, but he can find peace in these moments where he can be in this psychedelic-like state. His tonic-clonic seizures require many hours to convalesce and recover mentally from the whole experience. So he attributes the pressure from unyielding critics and crowds as risks to a seizure. So he's often likes to avoid crowds He is working towards living a more salubrious lifestyle, though, without the bottle, which has helped him control his seizures. He had a little bit of a drinking Drinking problem. problem. Mm -hmm. His daughter, Amber Jean, she also has epilepsy. And in her honor, he opened up this really cool school called the Bridge School for Special Education. It better addresses the speech and physical needs of youth. And they do this enormous benefit concert every year, which has had performers in the past like Elton John and the Beach Boys. So a profound organization. And we can see that epilepsy has not only affected his life tremendously and his music, but also his daughter's life as well. And he is a philanthropist, activist. He's making a difference on many levels. He's making a difference on many levels. So we covered a few North American celebrities. So we thought we'd throw in an Australian. We're going to throw in Hugo Weaving. I am going to go ahead and talk about Hugo Weaving and you know as as you're talking about these singing celebrities and you know, people that have made themselves famous with music you wonder is this a catalyst for destigmatizing epilepsy celebrities coming out and talking about their story 
So Hugo Weaving, yes, he's a very well-known Australian and American actor, best known for his roles in Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, uh, Vias for Vendetta, The Hobbit, Captain American series. Vendetta. Um, actually, that's my favorite as well. So Hugo Weaving was diagnosed at the age of 13 with epilepsy, and uh, he basically suffered seizures on a consistent basis until he was about the age of 40. As of 2017, he had been 18 years seizure-free. So he hadn't had a seizure for 18 years since um, 2017. 18 uh, years? Yeah. So he wow. is um, fairly controlled, obviously, it seems, if he's gone 18 years. I wonder if at any point he thought he outgrew it. Yeah. So basically he was diagnosed at 13 and had a consistent seizures until the age of 40. And then he was, I believe at the age of the time of the interview was about 56. So that would be about 16, 17 years after being the 40. I think there is a transition for men to not menopause, but when they're in their 40s, 50s, right? Yeah, when their testosterone drops off. Yeah, so they have some hormonal change. Their, their hormones do change, yes. That's what I was trying to get at. So like a teenage version, kind of like, if you will, like me diagnosed at 12, we'll see if I stop having them at age 40, but who knows? But anyways, carrying on with this Hugo, Hugo never felt that his epilepsy inhibited him. He, he didn't get his driver's license. That's one thing he's never gotten in his life, but he said that he was a shy and very reclusive young child until he was diagnosed with epilepsy. And when he was diagnosed with the epilepsy and put on the medications, he like broke out of his shell and he marked extremely high in high school and he graduated college art school, acting school, and finished to become, you know, an actor. He is, he is literally, he is literally known as one of the greatest sci-fi villains of the 21st century. And, and it's funny because it can partially be attributed to his epilepsy and his seizure medications. And it's like, whoop, whoop, finally we get a positive, like break in the coffin again, go Hugo. The medication gave him a new light. Life. Completely different. Yeah. You can actually grow. I noticed that with when Joe finally was stable with medications around age he was five years seizure-free. Around 15, he, 15, 16, he stopped having seizures because it was controlled by phenytoin. But he completely was the same thing. Like his confidence got to grow in that period. He got to really succeed and he got a job and school became better and friends became and better. Social. Everything. Yeah. Um, that normalcy that we expect it that should just come but it, it doesn't because you don't release when you have a, a chronic illness or an invisible illness, it's, it's hard to have that normalcy. Yeah. It is crazy to think that, that epilepsy diagnosis and the medications actually broke him out of his shell and, and brought him that success and, and confidence that he needed. So I would say 
Hugo Weaving, if you are listening or come across this podcast by any chance, I want to discuss with you this quote, that your quote. I think I'm a bit of a dreamer. I don't like the reality of life to impinge much on my life. Mm. And as an epileptic, this quote in all respects pertains to my life, to our disease epilepsy and our survival mechanisms as we know it to get through our daily life. So I definitely want to know more about this quote. I want to dissect it a little bit more and where it came from, from him. It is hard, especially because there's not a lot of, you know, we know that he obviously had seizures or had them as a young kid, has been controlled for a long period of time. I, we don't know what he suffers from, even though he is outspoken, he does talk about them. You can find video clips of him speaking about him and his epilepsy. He does not go into specific details. So it, it would be another interesting thing to know, like what kind of seizures he suffered and other things like that. There is a side of epilepsy that is a little mythical. We even see it with Neil Young talking about seizures being psychedelic. It this totally deja vu. mind altering, the deja vu yes. experience you get oh. mind altering outside of consciousness, a time for Neil Young, a time of peace for others. Some people don't remember it at all, but others, um, a time of confusion, confusion, uh, creativity and disconnect from reality. Mm -hmm. And, and all of that can lead to a multitude of other situations. And I, I think that would bring me to the next person that I'd kind of like to discuss is a celebrity that dealt with epilepsy, a very famous family, the Hemingway family, Margot Hemingway, imagine a six foot tall blonde with just a radiant personality, a remarkable face to match that personality and that body. She was a 70s supermodel. Uh, she was a regular at New York's exclusive Studio 54 nightclub. She was in The Happenings. She was in The Goes. Obviously, the last name of Hemingway. She was the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. She was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of seven. That diagnosis came soon after Ernest Hemingway committed suicide. And the Hemingway family was still bearing that stigma of suicide and having to deal with that. And then their daughter, Margot, gets diagnosed with epilepsy. Therefore, she is instantly, at the age of seven, another burden on her family, another stigma put on to the Hemingway family. That is so weird because Joe, how his epilepsy started, it was at age seven because he was in a house of mourning for two days after his aunt died. And just being in that environment of house by house of mourning, I mean, he was with like a grieving. bunch of family uh, grieving. The aunt was dying. Energy. Cancer or had already died. And he was a seven-year-old boy, like what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a similar experience for Margot when Ernest, her grandfather. Yes. Committed suicide. 
just being around that environment just caused this crazy was a trigger and it's almost that stress you know the body goes into stress the parasympathetic system just blows up like what's happening you know yeah grandfather auntie and you're in the home you're amongst the emotions the feelings Mm -hmm. all of that stuff and then to be a famous family and to have to have this notoriety and so picture perfect life or whatnot and then you have this happen and so she and the family and it and yeah it's it's amazing energy and vibes and how that can be catalysts for seizures that stress and those environments and they are catalysts, those environments. Yeah. That's a perfect name for them. Most definitely. The sooner you can recognize those, then it is a little bit easier to gain control of seizures. If you aren't completely controlled, then you can at least control your environment. Just like you have to avoid flashing lights, some epileptics do. There's no, it's not different from like certain types of stress because mm-hmm. they're all triggers. Exactly. So Margo, seven years old, she's diagnosed, everything's going wrong, it seems like. And by her teenage years, she was already battling alcoholism, depression, and bulimia on top of having her epilepsy. You know, she was only a supermodel for for a short amount of time. And soon after her modeling career ended, she tried to go to the film industry and she never really made it past B movies. Say the depression kind of just stayed with her throughout her life. In the 1990s, she was depressed and attempting to make her like, I'd say almost final comeback. And she did a little stint in Playboy and she also endorsed a psychic hotline just to kind of try to grasp at the very last straws that she could. And she was just publicly criticized by her episodes of depression and addiction that by 1996, at the age of 42, she died of a drug overdose. And it was her anti-epileptic drugs, uh, phenobarbital that she used to take her own life. And Uh, that's tragic and how the public mocked her at the end of her career in many ways gosh she overdosed on her epileptic meds which probably caused her a seizure upon death I mean that yeah that amount of yeah Margaret Margaret was tragic the whole Hemingway situation that was that one was a little sad to to cover and and learn about and but it's not uncommon as we've known uh like little wayne with the syrup and neil young with the alcohol like it's we're seeing uh a pattern here there is some there's coping that's happening and i wonder too Margot seeking a career in acting and modeling that was part of escaping the reality like a lot of these musicians do to to get out of the reality of living with a debilitating disease anything to escape it or to yeah to escape your reality for just whether it be 10 minutes or you know an hour when you can just 
be a whole different person on stage and have a stage name and and completely be but in the end you're really not getting away from it it's there that's the end you don't want to be i never never i've always said i never wanted to be defined by my epilepsy i'll never let epilepsy define me but i accept that i have it now finally like it's part of me but i'll never let it define me it's an innate identity yes when you develop epilepsy but it doesn't necessarily need to define you Mm -mm. But perhaps some of these people, as we all do, when we want to create a different reality, we assume different identities Exactly. and they could leave the identity of being an epileptic patient in the dust as they pursue their music, acting, writing, justice, writing career. That I think goes to back to Hugo's quote about him being a dreamer and the reality of his life to not impinge on his his life to always have that thought of just a little bit of separation from your actual reality just a touch of cognitive dissociation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just a touch so finally a person who i feel isn't out of touch or I'd hope he's not out of touch, is Chief Justice John Roberts. He actually has epilepsy. And I guess this actually, this information blew my mind. I I really didn't know that he was what you would consider like a diagnosed epileptic, someone who's had more than one seizure from an unprovoked purpose. And so... I was, yeah, I was again blown away by this. I love law. I love the legal system. And I'm actually, I'm kind of not sure how I didn't know that he didn't, he had epilepsy. So Chief Roberts is probably the most intriguing to me just because I'm a current epileptic sufferer. I did study a little bit of pre-law in college and just the whole jargon and all of the stuff I it blows me it blows me away again third time I'm gonna say it it blows me away that Chief Justice Roberts has this he graduated Harvard Law School and he was appointed to our Supreme Court by President George Bush and at the age of 38 he had his first seizure Chief Justice Roberts is a Harvard Law graduate. He had his first seizure at 38 years old and suffered his second seizure 14 years later in the year 2007. This information that I'm going to get into is kind of what is intriguing to me just because of the position that he holds on a Supreme Court and the weight that he carries. I would think, I'm assuming, has a lot of stress in his position. It was stressful to get to the Supreme Court. It just blows me away. <laughs> oh my God, I don't know how many times I'm going to say that about you, Chief Justice. He blow but- you away. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. And now he's in this position and he he's there and he's had diagnosed epileptic. And back to, we don't give a lot of information about what kind of seizure diagnosis he has, if he's on medications, blah, 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 blah. When Chief Justice Roberts was confirmed, his previous seizures were not disclosed. 
And the reason they were not disclosed was because the White House considered it to be a, like a one-off incident, even though doctors said the 1983 and 2007 seizures meant Roberts would be deemed to suffer from epilepsy. Although, the, the, this is a little back and forth, although the court did say in 2007 that seizures were of unknown origin, so therefore it was okay to them. Are yeah. all seizures from unknown, or almost all seizures from unknown origins? Yeah, and that's also known as idiopathic. So in, unless you have like a traumatic brain injury or like a tumor growing in a portion of your brain, that can also cause seizures, but for the most part, they're called idiopathic because they're for an unknown origin. So yes, good point, Rachel. As of recently, actually last year, like June of 2020, when Justice Roberts was out walking around, he, he fell and he had a head wound and it required stitches. They did rule out a third seizure, but I'm assuming just for me, I've, I suffer from tonic clonics. I've had head wounds where I've had to have stitches in my head after just like walking and having a seizure. So it makes me wonder if that's the type of seizures that he did suffer from were tonic clonics where he would actually like pass out and have them, even though they say this, those stitches weren't from a seizure anyhow. The next part of it is pretty, says a lot, because like I said, this is June of 2020, and I'm just going to read a little quote here, and this came from Michael Caputo, the spokesman for the Health and Human Services Department. He got on Twitter to reveal his feelings about what happened with uh, Justice Roberts. People need to stop going on Twitter and revealing their feelings. Twitter needs to actually get on there and ban some stuff. I don't know. He, he continues with a month, question mark. That's nothing. Justice Roberts didn't reveal who he really is for 15 years. That just gets under my skin of being an epileptic, that he actually uses the verbiage who he really is. And that goes back to me being having epilepsy is having epilepsy, but having epilepsy does not define who we are. For him to say that literally in 2020 is disturbing, very, very disturbing. And this was, this is a spokesperson for the Health and Human Services Department in the White House. So frustrating. Like, what if he was suffering from depression? And then he comes out with that comment, reveals who he truly is, yes. or or from heart failure. Does that is that truly who he is? Yes. Does that become who a person is? Does that define them? Does that limit them right out of the gate? As soon as you reveal who he really, it's like on our last episode, we were unmasking the stigma of epilepsy. And it's, this is unmasking the disgustingness that's still happening today. This is written on social media out of a grown man's mouth about another grown man and his disease. So it gets better though, because this was in 2020, 
previous to that, there was an, a neurologist that his name is Dr. Alan Block, and he did do a little article on Chief Justice Roberts and his epilepsy. And that was written in 2012. So this is a little bit later, but Dr. Alan Block states um, there was a Supreme Court vote that was happening and it was about patient protection and affordable care act dr allen states that he suspects many of us us meaning neurologists were horrified by talk show host michael savage's comment and what michael savage said was it's well known that roberts unfortunately for him has suffered from epileptic seizures Savage said, therefore, he has been on medication. Therefore, neurologists will tell you that medication used for seizure disorders, such as epilepsy, can introduce mental slowing, forgetfulness, and other cognitive problems. And if you look at Roberts's writings, you can see the cognitive disassociation in what he is saying. This is crazy town. This is crazy town. We're in the 20th century. We have a public talk show host who's stating that the chief justice's vote was likely influenced by his epilepsy treatment causing cognitive dissociation. A spokesperson for the Health and Human Services Department is saying that this person didn't reveal who he really is for 15 years. It, it just, it's, it's mind boggling. It's absolute, it's crazy town to me. It's backwards, it's savage, it's oh, not the dialogue we wanna hear in 2020, 2021, not in this century, oh. come on. I don't wanna hear it, you don't wanna hear it. And Dr. Block actually, he, he went on to say this is his quote, this disgusts me. Cognitive side effects, like side effects in general, occur in the minority of patients. Well, I don't know who treats Justice Roberts. I have to assume that, like me, they've worked hard to find a treatment that works without affecting a person's thinking. Right. When Mr. Savage, who is entitled to his own opinion, makes statements such as these, it is a slap in the face of every epilepsy patient out there who has to overcome the stigma, discrimination, or bias to hold down a job, raise a family, drive a car, and do their best to have the same quality of life we all want. And it appalls me, he continues, and it appalls me that people still demonize epilepsy patients for their disease rather than respecting what they are, human beings who like Mr. Savage, are entitled to their own opinions. We've made great strides in understanding and treatments of epilepsy in the hundred years, in the last hundred years, with this disease slowly changing from a social stigma to just another disorder like heart disease or diabetes that when treated allows for a normal, successful, and fulfilling life. He wrapped it up right there. I mean, that that really expresses what a lot of epileptic patients and their caregivers and feel about the disease state. 
And it baffles me too that every medication has its side effect. Yeah. Every medication, an antidepressant, um, Tylenol, a Tylenol, a steroid for your skin breakout. They all have, they all have side effects. And, and he just happened (laughs) to pick on the chief justice's epilepsy medication and attributing that to a law that, that they believed he He voted wrong on. They wanted him to vote differently on. Yes. And that's so ridiculous. What a quarter of the nation's on antidepressants right now. So can you attribute every, and a lot of those people hold very important positions, remarkable people. So can you blame their SSRI, the brain fog that it can cause the, the fatigue, the, the appetite changes. Can you blame, can you attribute their decision-making and base it completely off their side effects like that's that's wrong and backwards to me isn't it and it and and to think that that because they know that little bit of information that they can use it and demonize that person and their abilities it blew me away to find that i mean to read those two things about him i was like that's actually printed it from 2012 and 2020, like we are, it's still present, very, very present. And to our listeners too, antipsychotics, anticonvulsants, neuromodulators, they all have side effects, right? Yes. Joe was on phenytoin, one of the oldest anti-epileptic medications out there. And I remember reading online, like on Mayo Clinic, all the side effects. And they included memory lapse and they included poor coordination and they included blindness and on and on. And Joe didn't like, I mean, he didn't, wasn't completely side effect free, but he didn't experience the, the horrors of the side effects of that medication. And we all know that like even the medication you're on, but that did not shape or attribute to the decisions he made in life. That's not the case for everybody, but for the majority of people, you can find that medicine isn't changing your daily function and your daily consciousness, basically. Like, is this a good choice? Is this a bad choice? Am I staying amongst my moral compass? Am I making people comfortable? Am I making a difference? And no, to attribute, yeah, a medication side effect to your poor judgment, your poor choice is, is one thing, but for someone else to attack you personally and to say that that's why you're doing it is also a, is another thing. I wonder if the medications that Michael Savage or the other dude are on. <laughs> Caputo. Yeah, has caused, maybe, maybe when, they, when they posted about these things, that can be attributed to the side effects they were experiencing idiocracy and yeah what does your pill bottle say the side effects anger restlessness yes or the or the symptoms that aren't being controlled by agitation things like that it's hard we're doing our best to educate and to bring awareness and so we can we can break that stigma and break the coffin there is a theme here of not speaking up 
until late in their career across all the people we talked about, including Mar Margot, right? She didn't talk about it until later, come out with that to the public. I mean, waiting a long time to really come out to the public about that. The people we've talked about so far are extremely gifted and extremely creative people who suffer from unprovoked or provoked seizures, provocations including substances, stress, sleep, demanding public lifestyle, Twitter comments, maybe. <laughs> In their experience with epilepsy, they have drawn inspiration, sometimes creative inspiration, sometimes peace like we saw. However late they reveal their condition to fans, I do want to say that the acceptance of their condition, absorbing epilepsy as a part of who they are, in coming out to public with that information is deeply applauded and appreciated. Most definitely. They're our catalyst. They're the catalyst for destigmatizing epilepsy. We're the little people, they're the big people. And, and if the more big people, the more little people we're gonna have, and we're gonna have an army. We'll create an army right here. 26 people army. <laughs> yeah. Times 26, 26 times 26. I still wonder what has led people to consciously choose to stay quiet about their epilepsy. I mean, you included, I know, life, Joe included, many people, you know, people yeah. that we talked about today. Why did they stay quiet about it? And why is living with epilepsy, especially isolating? It seems like it compared to the other disease states. It seems especially isolating. It's interesting. And we almost instantly isolate and don't talk about it except for within your like small group of support create a very small support community yeah. so i ask you i ask our listeners how can we create a more tolerant society where even our own celebrities feel safe to speak up about their condition truly more celebrities more artists more political people, more business owners, more humans. Break your coffin. Tell us about it. Tell, tell us about it. And we'd love to have you on the show. We would like to give cred to Rolling Stone, HuffPost, Wikipedia, MD Edge, The Guardian, Healthline, Politico, Psychology Today, and YouTube for all of the entertaining Lil Wayne music videos I watched last Friday night. <laughs> Lil Wayne. It was part of the research. Right. That's the perk. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to all the well-known people that are beginning to speak out about their epilepsy diagnosis and treatment. Join us on the next episode to find out Rachel and I's deep personal connection to epilepsy and the grief it causes on a daily basis. If you have any topic ideas, questions, or research you are curious about, we would love to hear from you. Email us at info at 26.org. Thank you for listening.